Thank you for listening to this recording of Family Bible Church's Sunday morning message. We pray that God will use this word to bless and encourage you. John 17, 1 through 8. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son also may glorify you as you have given him authority over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the words which you have given me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came forth from you, and they have believed that you sent me. And may the Lord add his blessing to the reading from his word this morning. You may be seated. Well, we've spent the last eight months so far studying the book of John. And um, I got a lot of background that I want to go through, kind of a, a review, because This morning, as we go into the section called the High Priestly Prayer of Jesus, before he begins his prayer, these first eight verses are just full of theology. And as I go into it, there are certain passages that have been meaningful to me. I mean, clearly the whole Bible, but are extremely meaningful for me in my life. John 17, these first verses, changed my life. And so I could, you know the song I could sing of your love forever? I could preach in this passage for, for ages. The, the depth that's in here. And so I just want you to know, this. a lot of this is, I'm, I can't even share everything, but the passion that's going to come from it but is all here. But anyways, we have considered the fact that Jesus is, the Son of God, who came to the earth in order to become the Lamb of God, in order to take away the sins of the world. And that, that is the major theme of John's presentation of this book. But secondly, the kind of an undertone as well is the unity of the church, which we're going to see here in this chapter. Okay, That John, again, um, I, I didn't put out links this week, I didn't really have a lot of time, but Links for Gnosticism. I don't know if you guys have heard me talk about this and go out there, but there's two points of Gnosticism that I want to just mention real brief, okay, that are going to come into play here, okay? Because Gnosticism was coming into the church, and it's still coming into the church today. A week and a half ago, I met with a guy who was being influenced by Gnostic teachings, okay? And there's more people than you know that are being influenced by it. If you hear people talk, start talking about the Book of Enoch and stuff like that, and they're talking about different things, they're being influenced by Gnosticism because there's a special knowledge, Okay? So the first thing is that there's a dualistic thought process, okay? That man is dualistic. We believe that we're tripart, that we have a body, a soul, and a spirit. But they believe that man is spirit and flesh, 
flesh is evil, wicked, spirit is good, okay? So just as a real quick thing, your marital relationship, you know what I'm talking about, right? Okay, is it evil or is it good? Well, from the perspective of a Gnostic thing, that would be base and evil. And it's only because you're an animal kind of thing that you're, you do that kind of thing, okay? But God made it as what? As good, okay? And so we, we denounce that, we reject that. And so, but in that, then there is this then desire for this hidden knowledge, okay? That in your, in your spirit, you will ascend and, and seek to find this hidden knowledge that will give you a, a more of a closer relationship with the deities, okay? And I say deities, okay? Because they, they have the, the one, but then they have the other, the demiurge and stuff like that goes underneath it. Ignore all that. But you see those two points very clearly in John's teaching. They transcend into Christianity in some points with terminologies. And so John, as we've been going through this, okay, has been dealing with this fact of who Jesus really is and what truth really is. And so right from the beginning, remember, John doesn't do a little introduce, John, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, and an apostle, you know, whatever. He goes right into it, right? That which was from the beginning, which, um, I'm, I'm doing First John, I know. In the beginning, I know, I'm quoting First John 1. So anyways, John 1 um, the, I'm going to look at it. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and God was the Word, or the Word was God, right? And so as we looked at that, we saw very clearly identification of who Jesus was as the Word. He was where? In the beginning, he was with God, and thirdly, he was God, okay? And, and if you remember it, I didn't put it all up there. I was going to think about doing it, but you go all the way back to the message um, and you can um, see when we did this, this is March 14th, I think it was, where we talked about it, where literally in the Greek it says God was the word. It's a definition of who God is, not even a definition of who Jesus is, but God is Jesus. God is the word. You get it? It's, a, it's an equative thing happening there. And then later in that chapter, we saw that he as well was the creator. He was in the world. The world was made by him, but the world knew him not. So Jesus was in the beginning, he was God, and he was the creator. So this is important as we come into what um, Chuck just read, okay? And then we went on talking about who is Jesus throughout all these chapters, right? And these are all the things that we saw who Jesus was. The first um, couple came from chapter 1, but we saw that he's Messiah, that he's the Son of God. We saw that he's the Lamb of God. We saw that he's omniscient. We saw that he's the way to God. We saw that he displayed creative power over nature. He claimed ownership over the temple. He claimed power over death. And you'll see that in that little passage, that's where he's talking to um, Nicodemus at night, where it says in John 2, 23, it says, Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did. Because he was doing some pretty impressive stuff, but they hadn't seen anything yet. Jesus, though, throughout all this time, as he's doing these signs, is continually trying to remind the people that this isn't just about the physical. This is really about the spiritual. There's something going on behind, and that's, again, for us to remember, that there's, there's really something going on behind what we see. We get so tunnel-visioned thinking about this, and Jesus is continually trying to remind them of that, Right? And so finally, as he's teaching, he comes to the point where he draws that line in the sand, remember? And the line in the sand was about the fact that he was Yahweh. He was Yahweh incarnate. I am 
I am. And so we saw um, back on July 4th, we spent the entire uh, message going through the Old Testament use of Ani Yahweh, um, the Septuagint, that's the Greek translation of the Old Testament, how they then bring that back into Ego Kyrios, okay, I am the Lord, okay, and then how that brings over into the New Testament is Ego Emi, I am, I am, and how Jesus claims to be the I am. And so, there on the side, John eight twenty four, is such a key passage where Jesus says to them, he says, therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins for if you do not believe, I am, and then the he is in italicies, which means it's not there in the Greek. Get rid of it. It's ego me. Therefore I said to you, you will die in your sins, for you, if you do not believe, I am, I am, you will die in your sins. You have to understand and un- know that Jesus is Yahweh incarnate. And we're going to talk about that more in this passage, Okay. And then he went and he, and he proved it. Remember I said those other works? They hadn't seen nothing yet? Then he heals a man who was born blind. Born blind. He didn't just become blind. And so Steve, as we were ta- Dr. Steve, we were talking about, he had to create. He was, became the creator at that moment because all the stuff that's in there, he had to create it on the spot, in the moment, spoke it into being. Think about that. That's pretty impressive stuff. And then he declared that he and the Father are one. He claimed oneness with the father and then he raised a guy from the dead who was dead four days four days not just barely dead okay wasn't just on her boom boom bring him back to life but he was in the tomb four days by this time he stinketh right and so we we sing from john 11 right um and jesus says believest thou this okay and so that just got everybody's attention okay and so then we move into the last two months where we've looked at John 13 through John 16, where this is the, the final moments of Jesus' ministry. Okay? This is the night before, beginning in John 13, where he has the Lord's Supper. Okay? And so in that time, he shows himself as, the, as the, the loving servant, where he washes their feet. But then he gives them some dynamic promises. Right? He promised that he would go, and he would make a Monet, a dwelling place, a permanent dwelling place for them in his father's house. And if then um, the, the power, the promise of power, answered prayer, that if they prayed in his name, that he would answer it and they would be able to do greater things. But then even more, his presence. And not just the presence of the Holy Spirit, but the presence of the Son and the Father. He said, if you, will, if you love me and keep my commandments, then I and the Father will come and make our Monet, our permanent dwelling place, in you, okay? Just powerful promises to give us, okay? And then he encouraged them to abide in his word because that's where it's all going to come from, okay? Last two weeks, I think it was uh, for two weeks before that, we talked about then the persecution that's going to come and and then how the Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to strengthen us through that, okay? So he warned them, again, this is, I'm I'm letting you know that when I leave, all these things are going to happen. The Holy Spirit's going to come, but persecution's going to come. But don't worry about the Holy Spirit is going to come. He's going to strengthen you. He's going to lead you into all truth. He's going to remind you of my teachings. You know, he's going to be here for you. And so then, in the midst of all that, Jesus promised them his what? Peace. Peace I leave with you. Not as the world gives you peace, do I give you peace. The world wants you to avoid the, 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 the troublesome times. Go someplace where you don't have to deal with your anxieties and stuff like that. Jesus says, no, that's not how we're going to do it. In the midst of the troublesome times, I'm going to bring you peace. 
Okay? So, and then last week, then as we looked at the consolation of the Messiah, we saw this one verse, and I'm only going to bring up one verse from, from that passage, because it was, remember, it was, came very important, verse 28, where it says, Jesus stated, I came forth, okay? And the, again, the word ekerkomai means to come out of, to exit. So, you're in this building, okay? When we're all done, at some point, Lord willing, you're going to ekerkomai. You're going to exit the building. Does that make sense? That's what the word means. You're going to come out of the building. Okay? And so he said, I, I, I exited from the Father and have come into the world. Okay? Again, I'm leaving the world and I go to the Father, but not go into. He's not entering the Father. He's just going to the Father because we know that right now, again, where is he at? He's at the right hand of the Father. Okay? And again, I don't want to make more than that, than, but just ponder that for a moment. Word usage again, God, God superintends word usage, okay? He breathed, God breathed, right? Second Timothy 3, the, 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 the word of God, the scriptures, okay? So he brought words in there. He exited from the Father, and he's going to the Father, okay? When you think about the triunity of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, people, in fact, I had this week, even while I was, Looking at these, because you were there when this guy calls, right? I won't tell you his name, just in case ever he ever listens, okay? But this guy called me years ago, a couple years ago, and he called me all the time. And he doesn't want to talk. He just wants to fight. And so I knew his voice. But I waited because it's been a couple years I wanted to wait. And he wants to talk about Jesus not being God. He, he wants to ask the question, but then when you go to give the answer, he wants to fight about it. It's the line in the sand, because it doesn't make sense. My mind spins on this, trying to, to fully comprehend the triunity of God. How is it that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are three and yet one? And every, so even this exiting thing, you know, but everything my mind comes up with still is physical. Make sense? I mean, I'm thinking of lava, I'm thinking of this, I'm thinking of that, and, you know, I'm trying to think of something oozing out, or, you know, and, you know, just everything's physical, but before, what was before Genesis 1-1? God. He spoke material into being. He spoke matter into being. And so every time I think, I think in a term of matter. And so no matter how I think of this thing, it's wrong. Do you get it? Because he exited and became matter. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. I mean, it's just like, woohoo. You know, how does this play out? I don't know. But I don't have to know. Because I'm not God, and God does. That's exactly right. I'm not God. I just have to fully rely upon God. I have to know that God knows. Sometimes I think I want to check God out. Make sure God's doing it right. I mean, if he's not doing it the way I do it, it got to be wrong. That's not right. I mean, think about it. But don't we think that way sometimes? Anyways, so... All that coming into now John 17, 1 to 8, okay? First, we have the request. Now, I'm not sure I necessarily like my outline, so, but it's, we're going to play with my outline as it is, okay? Because, again, I want to just fill my dump truck up and dump it on you right now, okay? And so, but I'm an outline kind of guy, and i got to have an outline. So, anyways, first of all, there's the request, okay? And so, on there, ultimately, what is Jesus' request? What is he asking the Father? To glorify him. 
Okay. Now we're going to talk about the extent in a little bit later. Okay. But first, we want to talk about a little bit of the motivations that are going on here. But we understand that first of all, he wants the Father to glorify him. Okay. And when we look at this motivation, ultimately, okay, we're going to skip this coming through here. But ultimately, it's all built upon that purple up top. Glorify me. In order that, you should have an order in there, it's that, but it's a Greek word, hina. In order that, the Son may what? Glorify you. This is free, outside the outline. But overall, this is Bob's thoughts when Bob hits that. Do I really, can I really say that I want God to glorify me? All the time. In order that I can glorify Him. Or do I want to be glorified so that I can be glorified? Think about that, you know? And so um, this is a real challenge for me to have the mind of Christ that I want to be a nobody and have everybody focus on Jesus. Does it make sense? And so if God wants to use me in some matter, in some manner that will bring me in some way earthly glory only in such a way that it would ultimately point back to him. And that's what we read about in the Beatitudes, um, after, at the end of the Beatitudes, where you are a city that is set upon a hill whose light cannot be hid, that others may observe your good works, and what? Glorify your Father who's in heaven. Yeah. And so that's ultimately there, and that's Jesus' thoughts, okay? So everything we're going to talk about now is based upon this, this desire, okay? Jesus says, I want to be glorified, but fully for the reason that I ultimately want to bring glory to you. So, motivations okay that i can glorify you as you have given me him because he's talking in third person here right authority right but he gave me authority over flesh in order that i should do what give eternal life so my motivation jesus is saying in doing this is because you already have bestowed upon me authority in order that i can bestow eternal life upon others so the bestowal of authority we see again then in the great commission it's built upon our great commission for us to go make disciples is built upon the fact that the father has already bestowed upon the son mind-boggling all authority over all flesh so because all authority has been given unto me therefore what you go and make disciples baptizing disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? Teaching them the things which I have taught you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So our commission to go forth, evangelism, is built upon the fact that Jesus has been given all authority. But go back to the beginning here. Do you remember what the next line was? As you have given him authority over all flesh, in order that what? What's the second part? Do you remember? In order that he should give eternal life. Before we move on to the eternal life part, I want you to think about what an incredible, what an incredible honor and privilege you have. You stand in the stead of Jesus. He's been given all authority that he can give eternal life to everybody. And so he's given the authority to you as his messenger as his ambassador, as his representative. So do you know what you're doing when you go out and you talk to people about Jesus? 
You're giving them the chance for eternal life. It's not a poison. Sometimes we're fr- it's like we're afraid to give this because it's like Ipecac. If you do this, you're going to throw up, you know, or castor liver oil, you know, whatever. No, man. This is sweetness. This is the greatest delight. You're offering fruit from the tree of life. And we have the privilege to do that. So Jesus is asking for this, okay? Because he's, think about what's getting ready to happen. Jesus is about ready to what? He's about ready to die. He's going to be crucified. So he's, what's the glory that he's asking for here? The crucifixion. He knows what's getting ready to happen. And remember when he said in John 8, we saw verse 24, but if you go down to verse 28, I think it is, he says, and when you see the Son of Man lifted up, then you will know I am, I am. It's all about the crucifixion. Jesus came to the earth knowing that he was going to die. And now he's asking the Father, it's time, Father, the hour has come. Glorify me. Is that how you want to be glorified? When you say glorify me, is that what you're thinking? So, Father, I want, I, it's ready to time to be for me to be, be, have my back ripped open. Sorry, Shh, close your ears. My back ripped open by the Roman scourge. It's time for me to be spit upon, to be beaten, to be hit, to, to be nailed to a, a tree, to a cross. To suffer, help me out, Steve. To suffer, I'm losing all my air. Asphyxiation, thank you. It was there someplace and it just wasn't coming. To suffer asphyxiation, and then to have the, the Roman guard put, the, Jesus didn't feel that part though because he was already dead, right? Is that what you're asking for when you want to be glorified? No, not at all. But that's what Jesus wanted for me, for you. How cool is that? So he did it, that as that, all this is this. So this is a, when you do, the, again, we're talking about in Sunday school with the, the block diagramming, this is a what? A minor point, but it's not the minor point. It's the major point. This is the reason why he wants to be glorified. Ultimately, it comes down, chink, 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 chink. In order that I can give eternal life. To people. Eternal life's not going to come if I don't what? If I don't die on the cross. Because after I die on the cross, what's going to happen? I'm going to be raised from the dead. And that ultimately is when the glory comes. Do you get it? I don't have time to get in Romans 8, 28 to 30 when it talks about how, whom you're justified, whom we are also glorified. We also are glorified. It's just amazing stuff. There's so much in here. But that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him, and this is eternal life, that they may what? Know you. There is a definition. What is eternal life? Jesus answered it. What's eternal life? Don't tell me living forever. What did Jesus say it is? Knowing God. Knowing God. Eternal life is knowing God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Changed my life when we start talking about the knowing part. The bestowal of 
eternal life. Gnosko versus Edo or Oida. Now I know Greek words. Very important. Two primary words in the Greek for to know. The word Edo is the word for intellectual knowledge. It's visual, factual knowledge. George is wearing a purple shirt. I know that. Because I what? I see it. It's factual at this moment. Rodney is wearing a plaid shirt. I visualize it. I see it. There's intellectual knowledge happening. Okay? Gnosko, on the other hand, is intimate relational knowledge. So, Marsha. Some of you really don't know Gnosko her like you think you might. You Ido Marsha. Okay? I Gnosko Marsha. God really Gnosko's Marsha. Okay? But the idea is that you go from intellectual knowledge to relational, intimate knowledge. How does this play out? I'm going to look at a couple of verses here real quick. Okay? We've got a lot of verses that we're going to go through. Okay? And hopefully this will work. There we go. Okay? So Matthew... Tw- oh, and it went twice. It's going the wrong way, Mark. There we go. It doesn't want me to show that Matthew passage. There we go. I know, but it's... I only click once. Wow, it's not showing. It's not showing to the Zoom audience. Interesting. Okay, sorry. So I'm I'm looking here. There we go. Finally came up with Zoom. Interesting. So Matthew twenty four thirty three. So you also know when you see this is in times right. You see all these things. Know that it is near at the door. So when you intellectually understand, see this thing happening. Okay, then you're gonna. No, because you know the word and you're intimate with this detail, right? That the end's getting ready to happen, okay? Um, down in verse 43. But know this, that if the master of the house had known factually, right, what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. So the difference between a factual knowledge and a relational knowledge, an intimate knowledge, okay? And so if he had intimately known the hour, or if he had factually known the hour, right, then... Um, he wouldn't have let him come in. And so Jesus says, I want you to intimately know that. I want you to, to bring that into who you are and then apply it. Luke seven thirty nine says, Now when the Pharisee who had invited him, that's Simon, right, the Pharisee, saw this, he, so he saw the, um, the, the sinner, sinful woman come in, so he factually understood who was coming in. He spoke to him saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would what? No, intimately know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Then John's usage of it, there are many, many more usage. You can look this up again, back to Sunday school. All I did was a search on when Edo and Gnosko appear in the same verse. Okay? So John 5, verse 6, when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition for a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? Does anybody know who this is? Say again. It's a lame man at the pool. And he had been a lame man for 39 years, right? And so Jesus saw him, that's factual knowledge, but then he what? He intimately knew, relationally knew, um, that he'd been there a long time, okay? John eight fifty five. this is Jesus now talking to the Pharisees, and he says, yet you have not known, Gnosko, God, the Father, 
That's what he's talking about. But I know, this is really kind of cool. You've got to think this one through, because it's factual knowledge. But remember that it's a factual knowledge based upon what? Seeing. Think this one through. Seeing. No man has what? Jesus says three times, I what? I have. But I know him, and if I say I do not know him or have seen him, and I would be a liar like you, but I do know him because I've what? Seen him, and I keep his word. Okay? So, what's the deal here? The difference between believing here, or knowing something here, and knowing something here. I went to church every Sunday from the time that I can remember. When it snowed, and it snowed, right? Pittsburgh's built upon hills. Both We walked. If we couldn't drive, we walked. Ice up the hill, doesn't matter. You find a snow where you can get a little grip and you're walking. We walked every Sunday, even if there were only five people. And there wasn't Zoom back then. We didn't do Zoom meetings. We went, you know, and if there was only five people there, you had five people there, right? And so every Sunday I went to church. I was active in the youth group. I knew the books of the Bible. I could tell you that the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I could tell you that Jesus died on a cross. I could tell you that Jesus rose from the dead, but I didn't know him. I knew facts, factoids about Jesus. I adoed God. And then I lived how I wanted to live. And when I sinned, it didn't bother me. It only bothered me when it bothered me. Are you tracking with me on that one? But when I was 23, I had someone challenge me and ask me if I've ever read the Bible. Sure, I read the Bible. No, no, have you really ever read the Bible by all of what? No, I haven't really done that. Would you do that? Yes, I do that. And reading the Bible, I found out from Romans chapter 2 that if I couldn't live to my own standards, I would never live to God's standards, and I was condemned. And I was going to hell. And I called upon God and said, God, if you can save this wicked soul, I'm yours. At that moment, my life changed. I can't explain it, but I know there was a peace that came over me. Now, all of a sudden, sin didn't bother. It wasn't a matter of bothering Bob. It bothered my father. It bothered my Abba. And then there was a point when I was reading John, and I saw this definition of eternal life, and I looked into it. And I realized I'd been playing religion all my life. I've been punching a ticket because God was just a, a genie in the bottle that I just had to appease him and he had to do what I wanted to do. So as long as I, my, my good works in my brain, in my brain outweighed the, the bad works, do you get it? That's how we always do this, right? If your good works outweigh your bad works, according to whose standard? Yours. You think you're okay. But I wasn't okay. I was going to hell. And then I came to realize that what God wants with Bob is an intimate relationship. That's where a few weeks ago I shared about the, that day vision thing that I had where I saw God on his throne and it transformed into the easy chair. And God looked down and said, but come sit on my lap and let's read a good book together. I'm still your Abba. I don't ever want to be in heaven and find out that people who have heard me teach are going the wrong way. 
if you're playing a game, you're playing a game to yourself. So Marsha and my life verses, when we first got saved, was James 1, 22 to 25. Be, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. I won't continue to finish it out. But that part stuck. Because for 23 years, Bob was deceiving himself. I had it all down pat. I don't care if you've gone to church 10,000 years. You get what I'm saying. Or if you've only gone to church once. It's about a relationship. It's about knowing God. If that sounds foreign to you, then maybe you need to start analyzing it. Because this isn't about religion. It's about a relationship. And all I can do is give my testimony about how my life changed. You know me real well before then. And I've talked about Rodney and Michelle, how they knew me beforehand. I'm not the same guy. Do I struggle with sin? Sure do. Don't have a problem with that. Pride is, is all there. Anger, not so much as it used to be, but still I can, I can struggle with that. But God took sin just a desire for sin away. And now when I sin, it's an offense against my Abba. And that's what bothers me the most. It's that relationship with my heavenly daddy that I don't want to see interrupted. So, we go back to this then where Jesus then states, this is life eternal, that they may know you, the only true God, in Jesus Christ, whom you sent. Do you know him? Now, this concept then of knowing God for eternal life, um, I don't have the, my points. Some people are going to be asking me my points. First of all is understanding the terms, and then secondly, secondly is understanding the biblical pre- precedents. Um, in the Old Testament, and I'm not going to go through all those verses that are on your sheet, but in the Old Testament, knowing God was known. This isn't a New Testament thought. This isn't something Jesus was bringing up. But in Second or First Chronicles chapter 28, verse 9, this is David speaking to, to Solomon. He says, As for you, my son Solomon, know, yada, the God of your father, and serve him with a loyal heart and with a willing mind. For Yahweh searches all the hearts and understands all the intents of the thoughts. Doesn't that sound like Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, right? Okay, he understands all the intents of the thoughts. If you seek him, you will be found by, by, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. That sounds like Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. That those who come to must believe that he exists and he's a rewarder of those who what? Diligently seek him, okay? So it's all about David's challenge to Solomon as to what? Know God, know him. Jeremiah 9, verse 23 and 24, Thus says Yahweh, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, and let not the mighty man glory in his might, nor let the rich man glory in his riches, but let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and yadahs me, knows me intimately, that I am Yahweh, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness on the earth, for in these I delight, says Yahweh. The Israelites, Jeremiah's writing, right? And so if you were there in Sunday school, we went through Jeremiah. I mean, he's writing to a nation that doesn't, no God anymore. They're playing the game. They got the God. They got Yahweh. Yahweh's our God. But they're bringing other icons. They're bringing other idols into the temple. 
And God says, enough is enough is enough. You guys are wiped out. And I'm mindful, then, of Jesus' words to the seven churches. Think of the church to Ephesus. He says, I know your works. They're wonderful. I, I know that you have done all these things, and that you've even, you've even tested the prophets, false prophets, and found them to be false, right? Nevertheless, I have what? One thing. One thing. Even though you obey the whole law, and yet you stumble at one point, you're what? You're guilty of it all. Nevertheless, I have this one thing against you. You have lost your first love. And if you don't repent and return from once you have fallen, I'm going to come and remove your candlestick. This is so huge, so important. In the New Testament, then, we saw as, as um, Chuck taught on the Good Shepherd, in John 10, verse 14, Jesus says, I'm the Good Shepherd, and I what? I intimately know my sheep. In my sheep... They intimately know me. It's a reciprocal relationship. And then Galatians chapter 4, but then indeed, when you did not know, factually know God, you served those which by nature are not gods. But now after you have known, intimately known God, or rather are what? <laughs> known by God. How is it that you turned again to the weak and beggarly elements? And so again, we have the Edo and the, the, the Gnosko put together. He says, you didn't even factually understand who he was. Back then, you were following after your own gods. But now you intimately know him. Why are you going back to the other stuff? It's trash. Don't do that. Philippians 3, another one of these verses that, this is my passage, my life. So Marcia and I have our life verse together. This is mine, right? Where Paul says, but what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed also I count for loss for the excellence, all things but lost, for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and to count them but dung, not, not that I may, I'm, I'm quoting out in the King James, sorry, that I may count them but dung, and be, um, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is found through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, and that I may know him. In the power of his resurrection is in the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto death, and if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but this one thing I do, forgetting the things which are behind and reaching forward to the things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high call of God in Christ Jesus. Do you get it? It was Paul's pursuit. He had it all. And he said, but everything I'd gained in this world, it was rubbish. Again, I don't mean this is prideful. This is Bob's testimony moment, okay? Just, just straight. I went to the number three school in the country in computer science. I was an artificial intelligence expert for the Army. This is mobile subscriber equipment. This is what we were working on when I was in. You're getting a dish TV thing tomorrow. That's a special forces burst communication system. I was there when we were working on this stuff. Okay? I squashed a robotic thing coming out of Aberdeen Proving Ground. I didn't know who I was. Anyways, but I had all this. And I could have gone when I got out of the military. I could have gone and I could have had nice jobs. But all that is rubbish compared to Christ. When he put the call in my life and said, I want you to tell people. And for me, it's men. You ladies are important too. 
but God has throughout the, to, to call men back to him. That's the problem with, with churches. Is we don't have men who are in love with Jesus and who want to serve him, who want to be elders, and who want to be faithful. That's my passion. But it all stems from what? I want to know him. And I'm not content with mediocrity. That's this whole struggle thing with the the triunity in my brain and stuff like that. I want to continue to grow in understanding and the knowledge of who he is. I don't ever want to be content with where I'm at because there's so much more to learn. Peter, I don't have time to go through this, but he starts off in the second epistle with a knowledge of God that we give. And just kind of put this out, that you may be partakers of the divine nature. This is incredible stuff when you, when you start to analyze and meditate upon all this stuff. And so he ends his very, the last thing that Peter, Peter, this isn't Pauline, this is Peter, that the last thing he states to the, to the church, but grow in the grace and the knowledge, the gnosis. That's the, the, the noun firm of gnosko. The, the gnosis of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to him be glory both now and forever. And I was just totally wiped out years ago when I found out that the Gnostics have stolen my term. Anyways, I don't like theology. I like theognosis. Theology is the study of God. Throw it away. Quit studying God. Replace it with theognosis. To know God. That's what's most important. And when you know him, you will want to get to know him better and better and better and better and better and better. And better. And if you want to call that study, and that's good. But too many people are studying God and they don't know him. They're writing books on theology. But they don't know him. Sorry, i got to move on. The extent of the request. So glorify me so I can give eternal life, right? But glorify me, look what he says then. Together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world. Do you get what Jesus is saying here? He existed when? Before creation. And what did he also have? He had the glory of the Father. He had glory with the Father. Isaiah chapter, just two verses. I love Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 40 through 48, man. I mean, I'm telling you, it is, you cannot read. I, when I talk to Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons, I go to Isaiah. Isaiah 40 to 48, because Jesus is all through this thing, okay? He is Yahweh incarnate. I am Yahweh, that is my name, and my glory, my what? My glory. My glory, what about it? I will not give to another. Chapter 48, for my own sake, this is Yahweh, for my own sake I will do it. And how should I profane, or how should my name be profaned? And I will not give my glory to another. Listen to me, O Jacob, my Israel, my called. I am he, I am the first, I am also the last. Indeed, my hand has laid the foundation of the earth, and my right hand has stretched out the heavens. Didn't go all the way back to the beginning of this message, which was I did as a review from all the way back at the beginning of the series. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and God was the Word. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. He was in the world, the world was made by Him, but the world knew Him not. Do you get it? But Yahweh says, I'm the Creator, and I'm not going to share my glory with anybody else. But here's Jesus boldly saying to the Father, what? Glorify me. 
with the glory that I had with you before the world began. Show me where Jesus says he's God. That's another one of those. You know, no, Jesus doesn't say, I am God. But he does say, I am, I am. Make sense? And he does claim deity in all these other places. John 17, verse 4 to 8, then, as we move on, he says, I have glorified you on the earth. This is his rationale at the end, then. After he goes through all this, asking for the glory, and, and, and just presumptuously, if you would, now he comes back and says, okay, so here's the deal. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work. I have manifested your name. Three things that Jesus then did that, again, we're not going to spend a lot of time here. We'll pick up some of this next week as well as we get into the prayer, and it's kind of repeated. But Jesus is now talking about as being a servant. This is you and me. I want to challenge you. Don't think about, oh, Jesus did that. Okay, Jesus did But if you are supposed to be made in the image and likeness of God, right, and if you're supposed to be being conformed to the image of Christ, okay, then we ought to be following in his footsteps, okay? So the first thing he says is what? I have glorified you on the earth. Again, go all the way back to Bob's comment from when Jesus talks about the glory that I might glorify you. Who is Bob? And please insert your own name. Don't insert Bob. <laughs> Who is Bob seeking to bring glory to? Is it me? That's the, again, go back to the, the, the prayer, YouTube prayer videos and, and, and putting things on Spotify and all that. That's my biggest struggle. I, I don't want to bring glory to Bob. And yet I get it. I'm like Peter. I'm like Paul, not an apostle, but you understand that there's, God uses individuals to proclaim his message, right? And, and so, come of that, we look back at Peter and we go, oh, we look back at Paul and go, oh. And so I get that, but I don't want it. I don't want any of that because I know what a broken shard I am. Does that make sense? I, I am such an imperfect reflection of God. I want my earnest desire to be, I've glorified you on the earth. Secondly, I have finished the work which you have given all the saints to do. Is that what he says? It's not what he says. What does he say? I finished the work that what? You've given me to do. I don't have to finish your work. I don't have to finish anybody else's work. I just have to do what God has given me to do. I'm not Jesus. I'm not going to take up his cross. But I have to take up my cross daily and follow him. How faithful are you to serving the Lord in performing the work which he's given you to do? I don't know what he's given you to do. I know what he put on my plate years ago, and I know what he's put on my plate throughout the years. And all I can do, again, testimony time, right? Bob's, okay? Sorry. But years ago, I said to the Lord, if you put it in front of me, I believe by faith that you will give me the ability to accomplish whatever you want me to do. And so when we planted the church, he gave me a, a, a home improvement business. That wasn't really where I was going with that one. You know, wasn't what I was thinking. Like, oh, I'm gonna, now I'm going to do home improvement. But even in the midst of that, I give you many stories on that. How he has done that. And then how he's done that with ministry. Again, I'm not a public speaker. 
I'm a computer programmer. I love sitting in my little cubicle writing programs, or I used to 30 years ago. But he has remade me. He has retold me. He has refashioned me. And I get the fact that this is a little bit, I'm looking at people more often than I used to do. Marshall will tell you, I used to preach to the back wall and to the front, front chairs, okay? Because I was so nervous up here. And I'm still nervous whenever I go to speak. But in the midst of it, I feel like the Holy Spirit takes over sometimes and he gives me this calmness to be able to do what he wants me to do. And all I want to do is challenge you. If God has placed a work before you and you say, I'm not equipped, praise God. That means it's really of God. Do it. Don't say, oh, somebody else is more equipped. No. No, if God puts something in your path, that's why if someone comes to me and says, Pastor, we need to, I said, sounds like God's got a work for you to do. It's not a work. You didn't, he, God didn't inspire you to come and put something on my plate. That's how it, that's how it plays out. Everybody, everybody comes to the pastor thinking, well, this has got to be done. The pastor got to, no. Don't do that. I, I promise you, I am not going to take the work that God has given you to do upon myself. I learned that many, many years ago. It's the body of Christ, not the body of Bob. I'm just a voice box. I'm just a teacher. I'm not the head pastor. Jesus is. We're all serving him. Thirdly, I've manifested your name to the men that you've given to me. I've revealed you to the people that you've placed around me. Think about it. I'm not responsible to revealing Christ to the world. He's allowed me to do some of that with technology, right? But my job is to reveal Jesus and God to the people that God has placed around me. That's your job. You have a different sphere that I have. You can do it. But look what then he says. They were yours. You have given to me, and they have kept your word. Now they what? They have known. Yeah, they have intimately known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the words which you have given me. We'll talk about the words probably next week in the message next week. And they have received them and known surely that I came from you and that they have believed that you sent me. That all happens because, again, I know Jesus is God on the earth, but it's only because Jesus had the audacity to make disciples and to lead men and to teach men. You can do that. Why? Go back to the beginning of Jesus' words. Because all authority has what? Been given to him. Therefore, he wants you to go and make the disciples. He wants you to go to give the words. That people can hear. That people can change people's lives. Look, my words aren't going to change anybody's lives. Whenever I do counseling, it's the first thing I tell. Whatever whatever comes from Bob is meaningless. It's going to come and it's going to go. But I want you to be in God's word because it's God's word that's going to change you. Not Bob's word. So, in the end, who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? Do you honestly know him? And not just know about him? Again, I know that's a dead horse that, that I'm, I'm, I'm hammering, but it's an important horse. Okay? I don't want any one of you getting to the throne of God. But, 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 too late. It's too late. Do you truly care about glorifying the Father and the Son? Or are you more interested in self-glory? Again, that's an all-play. That's on there because of Bob. <laughs> and so you get to join in the, in, the, in the wealth in that one, right? What or who do you talk about the most? Where is Jesus on that list? What you love 
you're going to talk about. What you want to glorify, you're going to what? Talk about. How much do you talk about Jesus with other people? It ought to be all the time. Is there then a need to change the way you think and therefore change the way you act? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you that you desire a relationship with us. Lord, that you have brought this path together. Lord, we didn't come up with it, but it's yours. Lord, I pray that you would help us to desire to want to grow in your grace, in knowledge, your intimacy with you. That if some are here, and Lord, that they're your children, but they need to to grow in that, Lord, that you would reveal yourself to them as their Abba, as their Daddy. Lord, that there would be this passion, desire, that they would have to please you. Not to please anybody in their home, not to please anybody in the church, not to please anybody in the world, but Lord, ultimately to please you. We know ultimately that gives the motivation to love you with all of our hearts, soul, mind, and strength, and then to love our neighbors as ourselves. Jesus, thank you for willingly exiting from the Father in order that you might come and be the propitiation, the payment for our sins that you might take upon flesh into this world, that you might be the sacrifice that we needed in order that you might glorify the Father through the payment. Father, I ask again that you would work in us in spite of us and that you would make of this body a tremendous light and testimony into this neighborhood, into this community, and even into this world that we might be able to draw more people to you, that they might know the joy and the peace that passes understanding. It's in your name we pray. Amen.